As we get ready to hear from the Scriptures, let's take a moment to pray together. Holy Spirit, come and spoil us. Come and spoil our strength and wisdom by what we hear from Scripture. Give us hearts that don't want any more to rely on our own strength and wisdom, but to rely on Jesus and to meet Him in a place of humility. I pray that for myself as I speak and for all of us as we listen for the voice of Christ speaking in and with and through the Scriptures. Amen. So, over the past few weeks, we have been exploring this rhythm of of what it means to be a people who are changed and known and sent. Jesus is at work, doing His work, and we are responding. And uh, so, one way to tell that story is visually, unpack it this way. Jesus and His grace is what changes us, transforms our lives and our hearts. We are a people who are changed because of the work of Jesus. So we are constantly pursuing ways to have life-transforming encounters with Him and with His grace. Worship is one of the ways that we pursue that. There are other ways. We spent three weeks unpacking that. Jesus is drawing to Himself this diverse people from all kinds of backgrounds all over the world And he's making us one body. We are a people who are known in community. So as a result, in response to his work, drawing that worldwide people to himself, we want to actively seek and pursue a kind of community that's authentic and caring. We've started to unpack what that means last week. We'll continue that today and next week. And then after Christmas, we'll say what it means that Jesus sends us out in the world to be agents of gospel restoration and what it means for us to respond to his work by actively pursuing ways to serve our neighbors and our community and our world. So that's the story we're telling. We're spending some time unpacking it. Last week, we focused in on this known aspect of what it means to respond to the work of Jesus. He's drawing this diverse people to himself, so we respond by pursuing authentic and caring relationships. That sounds good. What does that mean practically? Last week we said it means that we want to connect with warmth and safety and vulnerability. If you wonder what those words mean, we've got a recording of last week's message. You can hear that unpacked. Today we're going to say, hey, practically pursuing this kind of authentic, caring community so that we can be a people who are known. It means that we're committed to growing in small groups. Why? Because something will go terribly wrong in your life if you remain alone. If you try to do life as a human being by yourself, something will go wrong. The same thing is true of life as a follower of Jesus. If you try to do the Christian life by yourself something will go dreadfully wrong. We weren't made for that. And something will go wrong in your life if you remain anonymous. Right? You can be anonymous without being alone. Like you can come into a big group like this and kind of hide. And you can say, I'm not alone. 
I spend a lot of time surrounded by people, but I just make sure that they never get to know me in a deep way. Life will go wrong, whether it's life as a human, and you have no commitment to Jesus at all. Remaining anonymous will lead to a bad place. But in the Christian life, that's true too. Of of those of us who are followers of Jesus, He doesn't call us to remain alone and anonymous. In truth, we need lots of different circles of people shaping us and pouring into us. Some of those circles are big and some are small. So we want to highlight that truth this morning. We're going to hear that as we read Scripture. We'll hear about these circles, some big, some small, and you'll hear that they all have something at their center. Good news. James is going to read for us. Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and also chapter 5, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week I met a man, I'll call him Harold. Like I, I don't ever want people to be afraid that talking to me makes them at risk, right? <laughs> but I like to tell you about real stuff, and I like to talk to real people. So I met a real guy this week. Harold just isn't his real name. We were at Starbucks. And we didn't know each other. And it was one of those moments at Starbucks where you're like, I really do, having had that much caffeine, need to go to the restroom. I really don't want to pack up all my laptop, all the books, all that stuff. So, excuse me, sir, would you mind watching my things for a moment? Thank you. Well, I get back, and Harold is standing over my Bible, right? I'm sitting there getting ready to preach because, you know, car died, and what do you do while you're waiting for the tow truck? Harold goes, so which comes first, faith or works? (laughs) And we start this great conversation, and uh, as part of the conversation is, you know, I I grew up believing all this stuff. I, I really hadn't been part of a church. My wife said I should, and so I found this little church and, and, and got involved, but I really don't like it. It really annoys me because it's, there are people there who are politically all over the spectrum. I mean, some people are way to the left, and some people are way to the right, and some people are way to the right. And Harold, Harold's a good storyteller, very animated. And, and it just gets on my nerves. And I said, well, you know, this is one of the things that we love most about Jesus. Is that, is that he, he draws to himself this really diverse group of people who aren't all the same. 
They, they aren't all identical. And then, even though we don't have that much in common, he, he makes us one family. And he does this with people from all over the world. When there's nothing on the planet that can hold all those people together except for him. This is one of the things we love about him. And Harold said, thank you for saying it that way. It's easy for me to forget that. I wish I had a way to remember that. I reached in my bag. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I didn't, say, I didn't say this out loud, but, you know, sort of that you got to be kidding me moment. Like, um, right here. Will this help you remember it? <laughs> um, so, already a, a, great, a great tool for having significant conversations one thing I want you to see about that conversation is how Harold needs to be in two different kinds of settings at once. He needs to be in a big group of people who aren't all just like him. If he stays around tiny groups of people who are all just like him, he won't get stretched. He won't have to learn how to love in a hard way, loving people that annoy him, right? But it wouldn't be appropriate for him to stand up in a Sunday morning worship service and say, hey, I got to tell you, some of y'all really got on my nerves. <laughs> he needs that smaller place to be able to voice that concern and to hear teaching about Jesus that helps him to, to take it down to the answer to the question he's asking, right? And so you just see in that conversation this truth that we all need to be engaged in in different circles of different sizes. Now, to make this sound a little more persuasive, I'm going to take these four circles just from the life and ministry of Jesus, right? And, and you start at the biggest level, and you see Jesus interacting with the crowds. Big groups of people, so big, so many people around, that you can't know everybody's name. You can't have a personal conversation with all of the 5,000 people who are sitting down to eat with you after hearing Jesus teach. Jesus... Jesus interacted with people on that large crowd level. But then you read the Gospels and you see that Jesus interacted with another circle of 12. And you could see it clearly. You'd see an asterisk after the 12 reminding us that, yeah, Jesus had 12 apostles. But oftentimes it wasn't just Jesus and those 12. Sometimes it was. Luke chapter 8, you see it's Jesus and 12 and several women, including Mary Magdalene. Traveling and sitting and teaching and learning and sharing life together. And sometimes Luke chapter 10 would remind us it's Jesus and the 12 in the home of Martha and her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus. And Jesus is teaching there. So Jesus, it's, it's 12. It's, it's 12 to sometimes 15, sometimes 20, 25 people. But it's not crowds. It's a group big enough to stretch you because everybody's not like you. And we're not sure of Matthew, the tax collector. And we don't know so much about Simon the zealot. You know, he's the kind of guy who would take a sword out and stick somebody in the back as an assassin to change the world. And now he's following Jesus and I'm not so sure about him. And there's some women in the room and there's some men in the room and we're not all the same. So it's big enough to stretch us, but small enough. They can still know each other. And then Jesus had another group he would interact with, three, a little star by that. Who are the three? You read in the gospel several key occasions when Jesus goes aside for special moments with Peter and James and John. 
At least three key occasions, Jesus does that. One time, he, he takes Andrew along. So it's not always just those three. It's four or five people together, this tighter circle. And then there's at this one-to-one circle. It's Jesus going out to spend time with God one-on-one. Just the two of them. Nobody else. Healthy Christian life, you need, you need all four of those circles. You need to be spending time with God growing one-on-one. Nobody else in the room. You need to have a tight circle of friends that you're so close with that you can draw aside for those deeper moments. And you need a big group of people to come together with to celebrate and to love and to live and to serve. But today what we want to talk about is that, is that 12-plus circle, that small group circle. Big enough to stretch us, small enough that we can still engage on a deep level. And so we're learning that from the book of Acts today. What we want to see is how does Scripture undergird this concept that something will be missing if we aren't growing in that small group circle, that that green circle behind us. I see three patterns as I work through these passages in the book of Acts. And the first one is a pattern of good news that never stops. Right? You read in Acts chapter 2 that the apostles were teaching. What were they teaching? Who were they teaching about? They were teaching good news about Jesus. You read that the believers were together and had everything in common. What did they believe? They believe this good news about Jesus. It becomes really, really clear in Acts chapter 5. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Now, if you read the verse before that, you understand what this means. They had just been beaten, flogged by the authorities in Jerusalem. Right? And if you understand flogging, you, you know it's a grisly affair. 39 lashes with a, a whip that has six to nine tails on the end of it, each laced with a bone or a shard of glass or pottery, something designed not just to inflict a pain or a bruise or a welt, but to, but to cut and tear the skin off. So, literally, while the apostles have these wounds on their backs that are still healing. They are saying, we will never stop sharing this good news. There's something so good about this good news that you want to keep sharing it. You want to keep getting together with other people and telling it and hearing it and receiving it and celebrating it. Even if there's pressure to stop, there's something so good about it. Well, what's so good about it? Jesus is the Christ. What does Christ mean? Oh, hang on. This is a Christian church. You don't have to define that. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> if you've been a Christian all your life, you are good at forgetting this. Christ means one who is anointed, the chosen king, the ruler God has chosen to bring peace and justice to the world, to restore everything that's broken. Christ is the king who's chosen to rescue his people from their enemies, even if it means sacrificing himself. That's good news. 
And so one of the patterns you see in the life of the church from its earliest days is we are a people who get together to tell and hear this good news about Jesus. And we won't stop getting together to tell it and hear it and receive it and celebrate it because that good news is so good. Well, what kind of groups do we gather in? It's one of the other patterns that we're going to see in a moment. It's the next one. Oops. <laughs> when do we do it? We gather day after day, right? You, you hear that in both of the Scripture texts that we read, verse 46 of chapter 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This is describing a setting in the, around the year 33, 35 A.D. In the year 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed by the Romans. But at this point, the temple's still there. And they're meeting in the temple courts. When? Every day. 542. Day after day, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This good news is good all the time. It's not just good one day a week. If your Christian life consists only of getting together in this big group and hearing good news about Jesus once a week, something is going to go wrong. Because there are plenty of things between now and next Sunday that will pressure you to stop believing this good news about Jesus. There are moments in this coming week when I need to be together with some of you so that you can tell me once more how good this good news is so I won't forget. And there are moments this week when you're going to need to be with me in a smaller setting than this so that I can remind you once more why that good news is good and what it means that Jesus is the King who would give His life so that we could have every blessing that belongs to him. You can't run if you only eat one day a week. You, you can't be an athlete if you only feed yourself one day a week. You can't get by if you sleep one night a week. Right? It's the same pattern in life following Jesus. We get together once a week in this big group. So big you can't know everybody in the room. And it's amazing and the energy that's behind it. And, and there are things we do here that we can't do when there are only four or five of us together in quite the same way. It's an amazing thing to hear 500 voices together. Two or three voices. Well, depending on who they are. <laughs> right? Luke can't show up at every small group and lead us. It would be wonderful, right? But we get to hear that, and this is great. But the pattern is day after day, not just one day a week. Because this good news is good every day. And it's good everywhere. You'll notice the pattern from the church's earliest days. We are a people who get together and the temple courts, and house to house. We get together in these big honking groups. Acts chapter 2, where our first scripture reading came from. By this point, there are at least 3,120 people following Jesus 
who are getting together every day in the temple courts. That's a big group, y'all. That's, th- that's over 3,000 people. Now, maybe they weren't all getting together at exactly the same moment. But they were having some very large gatherings in the temple courts. But then they were doing some other gathering too, house to house. House to house. How, how big was a house? Here's a picture of a model that I took on a trip to Jerusalem one time. It's sort of typical uh, reconstruction of a house in Jerusalem. And, and one of the things you would notice about it is there's a dining room over here. It's big enough to hold 10 to 15 people comfortably. So if they were all gathering around a common table to share a meal together, they're gathering in groups of about 10 to 15 Jesus and 12 apostles is 13. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, 16 people. That's a, one way to gather. Now, sometimes they would gather and spill over from the dining room into a courtyard in the house. Groups of 30 to 50 could fit comfortably in a first century house. But you couldn't fit a group of 100 or 200 or... 500. And the point being, sometimes they were gathering in the temple courts in those really big groups for worship together, prayer together. And sometimes they were gathering house to house in smaller groups. And some of those groups were small and intimate, 10 to 15 people gathered around a table for a meal. So at in town, we're saying, we want to be serious about being a people who are known. We want to pursue authentic, caring community. And that means we're going to have to commit ourselves to gathering together in groups that are smaller than this. We're committed to gathering on this scale, temple courts, that scale, that circle, that size. But we have to also be together in smaller moments because this good news is so good that we don't ever want to stop telling it and hearing it, and receiving it, and celebrating it, day after day, and in groups of all sizes. So, a couple of takeaways for us then. Let's uh, start here. I can't do this alone. These patterns that we see of the church from its earliest days, even back to the time of Jesus himself, gathering with other people. I can't do this alone. Yes, it's important for that smallest circle to be part of my life. My, my faith in God will be strongest when, when I have that one-on-one time with Him. But that is never going to be enough to sustain the kind of maturity and life that He's calling me to. If Harold's just hanging out with God one-on-one, Nobody gets to tell him it's a good thing that Jesus calls you together with people who aren't just like you. Right? So I can't do this alone. I can't do it anonymously. I can't use the big group gatherings of my Christian community as a shield to hide behind so nobody gets to know me at a deep level. I also need to be getting together with this smaller circle of people, 10, 12, 15 of us gathered around the common table 
when we have time to slow down and ask the deeper questions. I, I try to do my best to address deep questions in this context, but you know that we can't go as deep as when we're sitting across the table from each other and saying, so really, how's it going? Right? We need that. I can't be anonymous and be a healthy, growing follower of Jesus. I need to grow together with other people. So, no claim here this morning that um, every detail of in-town's approach to small group ministry is endorsed by Scripture. That's not the claim, right? The claim is we've got to commit ourselves to getting together in those smaller groups. And the reason for that is a pattern we see in Scripture. This good news is so good that we don't want to just tell it one day a week, and we don't want to just tell it when all of us can be together. We want to tell it day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. We want to be the kind of people who never stop saying and hearing and receiving and celebrating this good news that Jesus is the king God has chosen to restore the whole world. That's who we are. This is what we want to commit ourselves to. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, we turn our hearts to you to be shaped by the word that we have heard, the spoken and written word. And we turn our hearts to you to be shaped now by a word we can see in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We ask you to be present with us. And as you've been at work changing us and sending your spirit into the crevices of our hearts through the preaching of the word, be with us again to send the spirit deeper into those same corners and crevices through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We pray in your name. Amen.